Hello, Jesse McDougall here with the Martial Arts and Money. It is January 30th, broadcast to number uh, number two of the day. And uh, we are going to uh, cover Winning Through Intimidation uh, by, who's the author? Robert J. Ringer, copyrighted in 1973. An amazing masterpiece. Every human being on earth should read this as far as I'm concerned. But... Uh, so in the previous broadcast, I just read over the sections of the outline and then talked about some personal experiences about the book. I want to say thank you to Nathan uh, Hatton for uh, bringing this book to my presence. If it wasn't for you, buddy, I would have never heard about this book. And that's why being around good people, one of the benefits about what martial arts really is, in, in case anyone ain't heard, uh, my areas of expertise is auditing, computer science, and martial arts, mixed martial arts specifically. But the cool thing about uh, martial arts and where I found that uh, where I am rich is the experiences I've accumulated over the two decades uh, being around good people in martial arts. And um, I, I, this is kind of a blessing. Nathan brought this for me, this book. So thanks, brother. And I hope we see one another again. So uh, there's a couple chapters in here that really stood out to me. I read this book five years ago, and I'm revisiting. Excuse me, I'm revisiting it again. So I'm going to read. Uh, let's just see here. What is? I'm going to read these chapters. Uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. So I'm going to do like probably a six-part series here. Read a chapter each broadcast. But I'm going to start with the one that brings me the most pain. One hits the pain trigger where it's like, oh, yeah, no, you can't avoid that, Jesse. You know what I mean? You got to dig down that deep rabbit hole. You got to look within and be honest with yourself. What is holding you back, right? Because at the end of the day, it's yourself that's holding you back. Nobody else but yourself. Um, so we, let's see here. Yeah, that one. Okay, that one. Okay, I think here we're going to go with, uh, this will be, uh, yeah, chapter 12. Ah, it is what it is, guys. You can't be perfect at everything. Jack of trade, master of nothing. That's correct. But here's the thing with internet marketing. You don't have to be, you don't need this amazing, uh, marketing stuff it's not really how good your stuff looks it's the value it's what you're saying it's your message so okay chapter 12 i reached the opponent's 20 yard line through proper execution translation the quality of my marketing method was crucial in advancing me to the point of closing now uh, i am going to be raising money i'm just not exactly sure when but i am preparing it i'm in the process of mastering the rockefeller habits the bank has already told me they'll give me money um but there's a, a certain process you got to follow okay and uh, i've got to pay the tax man back on some back taxes for my real estate company um because i have been making installments because it's been a struggle just to stay alive and get this far So that's on the practical business agenda side. Um, but yeah, make a donation, please, to uh, patreon.com forward slash martial arts of money so you can keep this movement going. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I just want to see if... Uh, okay, so let's get, read into this here. 
chapter 12. I'm going to try to read fast because I got work to do, guys, and uh, ain't, ain't making no money from this. But this is a good... Okay, so I want to pause for a second and not sound like such a um, douchebag. The reason why I'm doing this is, so, okay, where's my head at, right? Where's my head at? Oh, Jesse, shouldn't you be doing this and that and tic-tac-toe? Okay, well, the first thing is I'm a free man. I'm in control of my time. I protect my time. I defend my time. And I invest my time. I don't spend my time. So I didn't wake up today and I didn't know that I was going to read uh, Winning Through Intimidation. I didn't know I was going to do a broadcast specifically on Chapter 12. Okay, but that's kind of the momentum that came up today and I have um, I don't want to confuse this with dabbling. Okay, because this isn't dabbling. I'm using my professional judgment to make a conscious choice to invest my time. And this is I'm reinvesting my time here because I've already read this book five years ago. So, for whatever reason, the energy today brought this book to my position. It's been on my uh, my desk for, I don't know how long, at least three months now. Because I knew I had to get to it at some time, but today was the day. And uh, so, I, the way I look at this is, I've got some bottleneck issues that I'm waiting on other people. I'm waiting on ASIS. I'm waiting on the uh, the, the archives of Canada dead series and uh what else there's something important who cares uh but that's those are factors out of my control and those are my bottlenecks so instead of me starting something else i'm gonna i chose to reinvest and dig down deeper into the gold that i've already found in chapter 12 and i suck at marketing by the way guys and i'll be the first to to say that okay but if i've got a do it on my own. I'm going to do it on my own. Okay, chapter 12. I reached the opponent's... I'm going to read fast too. I reached the opponent's 20-yard line through proper execution. Translation. The quality of my marketing method was crucial in advancing... me to the point of closing crucial and so for me my game is I want a bag of money I don't care who the money comes from I don't care what the terms are give me the bag of money I'll take care of the rest you guys just sit back get paid okay bro <clears throat> as you may remember before graduating from screw you I had decided that I not only wanted to have abstract and real power supporting my posture on future deals but also performance power. I wanted to be so good at my job that I would have total credibility with the buyer and seller as well as a judge or jury if I ever had to take court action to collect a commission. After considerable research and development, I worked out a unique system of gathering information and preparing presentations which I felt on the basis of first-hand comparison were as good or better than any I have previously seen. Boom. And I had this highlighted in green uh, five years ago. And I'm going to highlight now in purple. Purple. Information. So this is where I keep talking about. i got to automate my system, financial reporting system. And that's what Eric and I 
are working on next, not this Sunday, but the next Sunday, and I'm so excited for that. My information gathering technique was not only geared to provide detailed, accurate data, but it was also constructed in such a way that a person with very little knowledge of real estate could properly implement it. Just as I had managed through experience to develop commission agreements which became more and more sophisticated, I also developed a series of property data forms to fit almost every conceivable type of situation. I was able to teach several secretaries who had no previous real estate training to correctly use these forms. Gathering the information required by the form was a very time-consuming job, but one which, because of the way the form was constructed, didn't take a great amount of real estate knowledge to perform. I therefore did not have to stay around for, any, for another day or two after obtaining a signed commission agreement from the owner of the property. I could have leave I could leave one of my secretaries behind to gather the necessary information, thus freeing me to work on other deals. That's one of the challenges with me, my, my accounting clients. They, I have to stop my internet machine, and I'm not free. And I'm working on these bottlenecks. I can't get to revenue-producing activities, but I'm better at building the business. I'm already experienced building businesses, so it's like... I've got driver's seats. You want to make money? Let's go. Once again, I don't know of any type of business where the development of good systems for the purpose of delegating authority with a minimum, minimum of errors is not crucial. Bingo. Bingo. Okay, so this tells me I get excited like this, guys, because I'm on the right track. All the information I'm getting is propelling me to keep going Jesse keep going it's like cheering for myself and it's just me working here all alone <laughs> but uh, but it, the, the the truth is I've wanted this six years ago and this is the importance of picking the people you work with working with talented people um, yeah and one of who's it Richard uh, super famous guy he was out of kiss and he's on all the shows and stuff. Anyways, he said if you don't get into business that much drug and alcohol issues. And that's the truth, brother. After my secretary gathered all information, which in some cases took several days to accomplish because of the complete lack of organization on the part of the owner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I say I just feel like a babysitter in my the nine to five world, like my role. It's like I've managed people, the accounting finance department. I'm just babysitting the owner, man, is the truth. Um, but I'm there as a support system. And that I didn't know that going into accounting when I became a C. I didn't know that I was the water boy of the football team. It's like, bro, I'm the captain of the football team. I run the ball. <laughs> she then returned to my office and submitted her completed form to a presentation girl. Ah, you need that girl. Everyone likes girls, especially the old guys with the money. The misers, gold fever. Everything else in my operation, the technique I used in putting together my presentations was developed and improved over a period of time. During the later stages of the evolution of my property data form, as well as the evolution of style used in my presentations, the two came to correspond almost exactly. 
In other words, the presentation in effect would consist of a neat, detailed version of the property data form, the conversion of the material contained in the property data form into a neatly typed package, which was easy for the buyer to review. Yeah, it's going to get easy for the buyer to review. Just give them the information they want so they can say yes. You don't want to eliminate all thoughts in their head so they could say no. Because if, if you give someone all the information and they hesitate or they say no, well, pff, that's their loss, brother. There's always someone going to give you a bag of money. Banks, their business is to give out bags of money. Private equity firms, rich dudes that have all this money, they're looking to invest in other companies. They need people like you and I. What there's a lack of is competent uh, entrepreneurs uh, such as myself to facilitate the number of opportunities out there in the marketplace. When the presentation was completed, I would then review my buyer information forms, the one-page form discussed in the previous chapter and decided, decide who the best prospects, prospects were for that particular property. After selecting these prospects, I would then be prepared to put into effect my third legal tool, certified mail. I constructed... I considered certified mail to be the potential savior. That's true. I correlate that with my buddy Mike. Certified mail. The ribbon around my package of legal tools. Boom. In the event of having to go to court to collect a commission, if my real estate license and commission agreement were not enough, then evidence in the form of certified letters might prove to be the deciding factor. This was an example of recognizing and acknowledging reality. The reality that I might have to take legal action to collect a commission. Even though I hated lawsuits and would do just about anything to avoid the time, energy, aggravation, expense of suing someone, it was another example of hoping for the best but assuming the worst. By, by making that assumption, I lost nothing if the worst never developed. On the other hand, I was one step, step ahead if the worst did come to pass. So I sent the presentation by certified mail to each prospective buyer who I thought based on his buyer information form might have an interest in the property. Was I perhaps getting a little too carried away with my defensive measures? You decide for yourself after you read the gory details of each of the six deals I described in section four. All I was doing was recognizing, acknowledging, and dealing with the reality. Bingo. And I'll corroborate this guy. Absolutely. Play defense all the way to the top. Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. Fact. In actual fact, the future was to teach me no matter to what extremes I went to guard myself in the jungle, I was always predicted. No matter what extremes I went to guard myself in the jungle. About a week after I sent a presentation by certified mail, I would call the recipient to see if he had an interest in further pursuing the matter. If he was not interested, I would try to learn specifically why. Oh, oh, 
If he was not interested, I would try to learn specifically why. Yeah, I get confused when people don't want to work with me. I, I get a bit confused. It, so, so that I could note the reasons on his buyer information form. If, however, he indicated that he did have an interest in the property, I would then register his name with the owner by certified mail. At that point, I could say that my civil defense was in great shape. My next major objective was to get the prospective buyer to meet the seller and inspect the property as soon as possible. Ah, so he's, he's setting up the deal. So this is kind of like Donald Trump, the art of the deal. He's orchestrating the deal, the invisible hand. The middleman. Everything I did was geared towards this objective. So part of my technique called for getting all of the necessary information quickly following back and forth between the buyer and seller. Of course, my primary objective remained the same, to receive a commission. Therefore, my technique for keeping a steady flow of information, my, my primary objective. Okay, so my primary objective is primary objective is to build email lists to 250,000 true customers times 230 fully opt-in and I'll have access to the opt-in information, so that information stands up in any court of law, so I protect myself from future litigators that try to call me a spammer, and they're trying to take money out of my pocket. Pricks. Therefore, my technique for keeping a steady information, steady flow of information existing between the buyer and the seller like all of my other techniques, was carefully devised. My technique for keeping a steady flow of information was carefully devised to be in harmony with a central objective. Bingo. Wow, this is amazing. Because of the fact that my posture was excellent in the eyes of both the buyer and seller, I was normally able to keep the lines of communication flowing through me rather than around me. Ah. Long distance telephone calls were also important because they became a matter of official record and if ever needed could help substantiate the degree of my involvement in the making of a sale. I don't care if you are in business of selling tuxedos to aborigines. It, would, it will pay you to keep in mind that long-distance portion of your phone bill is a permanent, irrefutable legal record. Ooh, I just got a phone uh, landline yesterday. You never know when some flaky aborigine might decide to tell the big lie, and it could very well turn out to be the appearance on his phone number 
on your telephone bill becomes the deciding factor in exposing the big lie. Bingo. Oh my lord. You won't even believe this, man. I, I can't even make this shit up either. I'm being sued right now. Oh my gosh. I really am being sued. So when I'm done this, I gotta contact Ryan LaPlante at Burns Fitzpatrick LLP. There's a civil lawsuit against me. <laughs> some guys, uh, I rear-ended some guy. It was his fault. He's uh, suing me now. Shut up. He was in emerging lane. This is out of context, but whatever. It's real. Uh, it was in emerging lane. And he stopped. He dead stopped in the merging lane. You're supposed to merge into the road. And I, I re-rendered him. And it wasn't hard. You know what I mean? Give me a break. People just trying to get some free money. Disgusting. If a buyer... <laughs> if a buyer ever mentioned to me that he would like to speak directly with the seller or vice versa, I handled it in a method designed to add to my strong posture rather than displaying nervousness over such a request which would have denoted weakness. I immediately indicated that I thought it was an excellent idea even though I really thought it was a horrible idea and told, not asked, the buyer or the seller, whichever the case may be, that I would set up a conference call among the three of us. The key to the technique I used in handling this was that I neither hesitated nor asked. I responded immediately, stating with authority how it was going to be handled. Dealing from a position of strength, I was bold and took the initiative. This was yet another specific technique for applying the key ingredient of my philosophy, intimidation. Okay. Yeah, people like that strong whatever and it's like no you don't need a big bench and so i'm so uh intrigued by people's physical appearance like being jacked up on steroids and how other people are like oh yeah it's ridiculous anywho the key to the technique I used in handling this was that I ne neither hesitated nor asked. I responded immediately stating with authority how it was going to be handled. Dealing from a position of strength, I was bold and took the initiative. This was yet another specific technique for applying the key ingredient of my philosophy intimidation to my specific business and my specific objective with that business. I knew that if I allowed the buyer and seller to talk to each other directly without my being on the phone, I would be asking for my first posture puncture and posture maintenance is a funny thing. No matter how slight that first puncture may be, it's usually malignant in nature. It spreads rapidly. So I always try to tactfully discourage any direct conversation between the buyer and seller, acknowledging the reality that private communication between them could be the beginning of a whole series of events all negative. There was only one thing more dangerous than the buyer and seller speaking directly with each other over the telephone, and that was their meeting face to face without my being present. 
Of course, I didn't need to worry about that possibility until I had the buyer interested enough to spend the time and money to travel uh, to the seller's city. My feeling about getting the buyer to inspect the property was very much like that of an insurance salesman who feels that he's three quarters of the way towards making a sale if he can just persuade the prospective client to take a physical examination. I felt that if I could motivate a serious buyer enough to take the trouble to get up from behind his desk, board an airplane and fly to a distant city in order to meet the seller and inspect his property, I was then rapidly approaching scoring position. Obviously a sale was never going to take place until the buyer made such a trip because even though he could determine his initial interest based on a handful of relevant figures, there was no way that he was going to get serious about closing until he had personally met the seller and started and stared at a few bricks. My technique called for two specific procedures in order to hurry the buyer's decision to hit the road. First of all, I practically spoon-fed the prospective buyer any information he requested. I tried to remove as much pos responsibility as, as possible from everyone else involved in the deal. As an example, if there were legal questions about the mortgage, instead of spending several days trying to track down the seller's attorney and then waiting <clears throat> several more days for him to get back to me with an answer, I would undertake to dig out the required information myself. I trained one of my secretaries to read and understand the relevant points of mortgages, mortgage notes, deeds of trust, mortgage commitment letters, and most documents involved in real estate closings. It often happened that a secretary was able to obtain the answer to a buyer's legal question in 15 minutes, thus avoiding the inconvenience of having to wait a week or two to get an answer from some attorney who's too busy trying to kill someone else's deal to give us a quick answer. It wasn't a matter of me or my secretary practicing law, but just... <clears throat> A case of our taking the initiative and digging out required information from our mortgages and various other documents. Exactly. Bingo. Jesse McDowell, I'm the guy you call before you call your lawyer. I literally own the guy you call before you call your lawyer. You're going to get your answer quicker, at least some information, quicker and cheaper. And I might not have the exact answer for you, but you're going to be well equipped uh, to get, move on to your next um part of the puzzle of whatever you were looking for. Likewise, if an accounting question came up, I called the seller's accountant only as a last resort. Again, one of us could often resolve the accounting problem in a matter of minutes, whereas it might have taken a week or two to track down the accountant and get an answer. The second procedure I used in trying to speed up the buyer's decision to visit the owner was to continuously impress upon him my belief that all of his questions could be answered one at a time if he would just meet with the seller and personally inspect the property. Each time I obtained another answer for him, I re-emphasized the point that a trip might save him a lot of time in the long run. If he was serious about a serious buyer and had a definite interest in purchasing the property, the logic in my suggestion usually seemed to have a positive effect. There was a definite reason why I felt it was critical to bring the buyer to the point of deciding to personally inspect the property. That reason being explained by the Fiddle Theory. And I'm going to stay here for the record. I own FiddlerConsulting.com. The charge out rate there is $180 an hour, 1000 bucks for the day. 
You want to make more money in your business. You want to optimize your business. Uh, you want to have less stress in your life. You want to have a better relationship with everyone in your life. Come to FiddlerConsulting.com. <clears throat> Fiddle theory. This only to real estate deals and not only to selling in general, but to just about everything in life. And man, this is theory is based on experience all bad. The fiddle theory states that the longer a person fiddles around with something, the greater the odds that the result will be negative. Let me use this the premise of my book, or for the website. In the case of Nero, Rome burned. In the case of a sale, the longer it takes to get to the point of closing, the greater the odds that it will never close. As a general rule, you should assume that the that time is always against you when trying to make a deal, any kind of a deal. There's an old saying about striking while the iron hot, and my experience has taught me that it is certainly a profound statement in that circumstances always seem to have a way of changing. In real estate, the critical change can be any one of a number of things. The mortgagee may decide for a variety of reasons that it wants an unreasonable fee in exchange for allowing the property to be transferred to another owner. The seller's wife might talk him out of making the sale or the buyer may close another deal and decide that he doesn't want to make any more purchases for a while. The fiddle theory simply acknowledges reality, the reality that circumstances are con constantly changing. The only thing that I could be sure would not change was my desire to collect a commission. So I didn't fiddle around. Not only did I not argue about whose responsibility it was to get which facts, but on the contrary, my objective was to undertake all of the responsibility possible. I could not count on how anxious the seller was to sell his property or how anxious the buyer was to buy it, but I could certainly count on how anxious I was to receive a commission. The fiddle theory is an, an adjunct to the tortoise and hare theory. I always trudged ahead relentlessly, hoping that the other guy would momentarily relax because I knew that if I didn't fiddle around, I might get there a minute an hour, a day, or a week earlier, which could mean the difference between making and not making the deal. So by trying to assume as much responsibility as possible for answering those questions and gathering information, and by continuously suggesting to the prospective buyer that he could probably have all of his questions answered at one time if he personally visited the owner, I was able in my situation to speed up several weeks the buyer's decision to personally inspect the property. And once he made that decision, I felt I was getting pretty close to scoring territory. Wherever possible, I would make arrangements to come to the buyer's city ahead of time so that we could review the details of the deal on the plane. On the way to the seller's town, what this really did was give me an opportunity to make sure that the buyer and seller didn't meet beforehand before I arrived. And it also gave me the chance to develop a more personal relationship with the buyer. In addition, the buyer seeing me once again going above and beyond the normal call of duty would hopefully begin to feel some sense of loyalty to me. 
and the best I was hoping to bring our relationship to the point where the buyer would not go through with a closing if there were any hanky-panky regarding my commission. At worst, I was hoping to at least bring our relationship to the point where the buyer would feel very uncomfortable and embarrassed at being a party to a situation in which he knew I was being deprived out of my commission. In cases where I did not accompany the prospective buyer on his flight to the city where the property was located, I met his plane at the gate when it landed. This guy's just on it. Any way you slice it, I was always right there between the buyer and seller taking the initiative and in discussing the various aspects of the deal. And just as important, I knew what I was talking about when I spoke because I was prepared. In the previous years, I had also known what I was talking about, but it hadn't mattered because my posture had been wrong. Now my posture was right. It was right because of my image power and legal power, and I was now backing it up by demonstrating executing performance power. I wanted to display so much knowledge about the property and making of the deal that even the seller would be embarrassed to change, challenge my right to a commission. Not even wishful thinking on my part, I might add. My chief objective was to get all of the buyer's questions answered in order to bring the buyer and the seller at least to the point of roughly structuring the terms of a sale. But I also concentrated on accomplishing one another, seeing to it that the buyer and seller were never together without my being present. At that particular phase of the sale, the tortoise imitated Merry Little Lamb everywhere the buyer went, and I was sure to go. When all of the buyer's questions had been answered and hopefully a deal had been constructed, I personally accompanied him to his departure gate at the airport. I never left town first, even if it meant missing my last flight out and having to stay overnight. Not only the buyer's plane had pulled safely away from the gate, did I shed my lambskin and revert back to being a tortoise. I cannot overemphasize the fact that a technique similar to this one is a near necessary in every business I can think of. At that point, if everything had gone as planned and the buyer and seller had verbally committed themselves to going ahead with a sale, I had successfully accomplished step number three, implementation of a marketing method. I then considered myself for the first time to be in a scoring position. I would say that I was at perhaps the opponent's 20-yard line. I could smell paid dirt for the first time. I had not yet won, but I was in the process of doing so through intimidation. As everyone knows, however, moving the ball those last 20 yards is a son of a gun. And that's where the defense stiffens and the going gets really tough. And I've been in that part for the past year. So that is chapter 12 out of uh, Winning Through Intimidation by Robert J. Ringer.